Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. So, the brief aside, before we uh, embark on this episode, I'd like to take a moment to address something that uh, came up during the episode, um, and I think may have been handled a little less factually than I liked, um, and and that is we, we talk about the uh, neural quad cortex processing device uh, for guitar, which is a sophisticated modeling uh, apparatus that has been announced by Neural DSP. Um, to our knowledge, this particular item actually does not exist yet, uh, other than to, so, uh, a handful of prototypes that were shown at NAMM. Um, when I recorded the episode, I didn't know that those prototypes existed. Uh, and that was mostly because I hadn't been looking directly at the coverage for this particular product. Um, after the discussion, uh, actually the following day, I took a step back and I, I watched some of the video. Um, and, but I still want to keep the argument intact. So I'm not actually going to edit it very heavily. Uh, more or less, I just want to provide a little aside, let people know that the, the facts are all there. Um, and so that you guys are better prepared to understand what's going on. The reason I want to leave it intact is because the core of the argument essentially is that, uh, people are putting down money on a product that doesn't exist yet. Um, a prototype is not a finished product. And the prototype they had is very limited. It only had a couple of models um, of amplifiers, and it only had a couple of effects built in. Um, in fact, I think I heard them say they told the Andertons that it actually only has one delay, um, and that the, the unit is actually not completed yet, obviously, um, and that they're hoping to have the first order available for uh, delivery in September. Um, basically, we just wanted to make sure that people are you know, kind of cognizant of the um, software industry's propensity for releasing products before they're released in the sense that we've seen this in the gaming industry already, but we've also seen this in other industries where they will often uh, do a sale for a beta or alpha product, um, which ultimately doesn't wind up being the finished product that you get. And so um, please take the time, listen to the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Um, and just realize that uh, some of those statements may be a little bit erroneous. 
Uh, Jim and I don't go to Nam, and that's part of the issue. Uh, we will probably go next year, but um, we're getting a lot of this coverage post the event uh, by watching channels like Anderton's, that panel show, um, and basically anybody else who goes to Nam. Um, so just you know, be aware that this is all in good fun. Uh, you know, it, it's infotainment, and sometimes we make mistakes. So uh, enjoy the show. Hello, David. Hi, Jim. How are you doing um, today? <laughs> uh, well, other than buying a car that already has, already needs a recall, um, I'm doing pretty good. That's yeah. why you got such a great discount. Uh, it's like, no, it's I, like buying a guitar and it's got a bad. Outcome. I got, I got a discount. Oh, remind compared. me of that. They had, um, they had at least two or three other cars that were. So I bought, a, I bought a Ford Escape, right? right. Um, and I bought it gear hauler. Basically, that was the main main reason. But um, I knew I had a budget, right? So I was kind of like looking around. I and I, I could have bought a CRV, but I would have had a higher payment. And we're trying to save money and everything. So yeah. um, I go to CarMax and um, I get an Escape. But the funny part about the whole situation was like I found one that was completely loaded, right? Um, for a stupid price, right? And uh, you know, even for CarMax. And yeah. I got to the dealer, and the the lady who sold me the car, she looks at as she looks at the deal, and she or she actually looks at the ta- as the, at the tag while we're driving it, and she goes, "What do you mean this is only this much?" And I just started cracking <laughs> up. I was <laughs> like, I was like, no, I can't say nothing now. No, she's like, no. She's like, I can't anyway. She's like, I'm not allowed to price the car. Yeah. And she, and she goes, we've got three others just like this one, and they're like at least two thousand dollars more. Wow. So I, she's like, I don't know why this one's priced this way. Yeah. But come to find out, all of the uh, the escapes between 2016 and 2019 are having a, an electrical problem right. um, that cannot be defeated by default. So the auto start on and off. It's automatically on. Um, and you have to turn it off every time you get in the car. And the reason for that is uh, the reason why this is a problem is if you start, if you stop at a stoplight and your battery's slightly weak or anything like that, um, it'll, it'll make you put the car in park and then hit the ignition. Um, I've had this happen twice since I've owned the car since Friday. And so uh, we've just been hitting the auto start off every time we get in the car. Now, um, there is a little module you can buy to put in the ECM. It's like a hundred bucks and it and it will save it as a preset. So I will be safe, folks, just not yet. Well, you know, what doesn't make sense is so obviously anybody who writes software for this type of thing, it's a little piece of code. All they got to do is fix the tolerance for the battery. Number two, if the car is not going to start. So my car does that, too. It's a hybrid. it works differently. Dave and I were talking about that at the beginning. We both know that. But the fact is that still my matter, my car stops and shuts down the engine at a light or whatever, whenever I press, yeah, the, press the gas right. long enough. And then it resets the motor when I let off the brake. So it does that in a similar fashion, uh, you know, but mine has a smart thing that says, oh, if you're not, if you don't have enough juice yet, don't do that. Don't shut the motor off. Well, my, you don't my, have to worry about shutting the motor on. I have a feeling if they put that kind of logic in there, the motor would just continue to run when you're sitting in the light. <laughs> Which would it be would the never, most logical never, thing to do. It would never shut off. I'd just turn that off. I'd have a, I'd find the if and statement. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. And and there are people that have done that already. Like there's a yeah. bunch of people who've like flashed their car with with hacked oh, yeah. bios yep. or hacked flash and, and yeah. doesn't. But the uh, the easiest way to do it because if you take it in, then you've you probably avoided your warranty. If you have any, I have like 5,000 miles worth of left warranty on it. Um, if that, I think, yeah. I think I have 50,000 on, on the powertrain. But anyway, um, it was funny because I was like, well, 
you can just put this ECM thing in there and it'll turn it into a preset. Or the other thought I had was pull the button out and just wire a jumper across it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but you, the thing there, is, if there's you hardware. take it in for service, they're going to see that. <laughs> yeah, but then you go, oh, wait, I got to pull that out. Yeah, you pull it, it out before you take it in for service. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm sure if you ask Adam, uh, Adam Savage, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, man, there's been a lot of stuff that happened this week. We got we got Nam happened. So I want to talk a little bit about Nam because I want to talk about. I got a lot to talk about Nam. So yeah. go ahead. The first thing I want to talk about is is how Nam makes me feel on on a couple of levels. But I want to start in the first level. And I said this last year. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of back it up a little bit differently because <clears throat> last year I think I sounded like a bitter old man, which I probably am. But that's beside the point. Yeah, I think we both are at this point. Yeah, you're you're coming up there. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, you're you're my my old enough to be young enough to be my bitter old son, <laughs> and I'm your I'm the bitter old grandpa now, um, which it which scares me because I have a I could have a grandchild as, as old as yours. Um, anyway, so the the thing that I was getting at is Nam to me. I don't think Nam has the same use. Uh, so I was watching some some old clips because I was thinking, why did they you know this whole thing and it's an artist thing and all this other stuff and. And that's where I'm going to, we're segueing. Um, and I'm like, was there ever a time when you artists couldn't go to NAMM? The answer is yes, there yes. was. And so in the beginning, NAMM was like any other trade show. It was meant for the companies that build stuff to get stuff to the companies that buy stuff. Okay. There were no artists. They didn't have, uh, oh, look at, uh, you know, Jimmy Joe, Jim Bob flying through scales at our booth or, um, you know, well, even when the art, even when the artists were banned, if you did have an endorsement deal, you, you probably went Cause like, yeah, it's so like Les Paul, for example, was there, but Les Paul was part Up of until the, the SG. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we could talk about the history of the SG and why his name was taken off at a long, you know, it, it, memory starts to fade as they get older. So they, they, yeah. the interviews definitely changed over time. But anyway, um, so what I wanted to talk about is I'm I'm not so sure. Like I watched Nam and I was like, okay, that was leaked already. That was leaked already. We already knew about that. We already knew about that. Okay. What did I not know that was like ta-da Nam? I, I saw a couple I saw I saw couple a couple things. things. I saw a couple things. Yeah, so let's talk about a couple things. Yeah. Um well, so there's the the new Amp One X, which is not going to be out until next year. Right. Um which is a pretty sophisticated piece of equipment. Um, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Thomas Blue right now. If yep. you haven't picked up, I, I've heard some people, um, I, one person in particular reached out to me and said, you should talk about this on the show. They did not want their name revealed. Um, it's a sensitive issue. But they were basically saying, like, if you read the the um, marketing literature for the Amp1, uh, right. the new one, the Amp1X, yep. he talks about the neuro... Uh, the neuron or something neural, the neural network of whatever he's got going on in there um, to make that yeah. thing work. And he's basically insinuating that he's borrowing copy, meaning like um, terminology and buzzwords yep. from uh, that neural DSP. And that right. he's trying to piggyback on the uh, search results and all that stuff from neural DSP. Okay, okay. Which, hey, hey given, given the iridium, iridium, yep. the iridium, 
and the Strymon Iridium. Now, granted, his product was announced long before the Strymon Iridium showed up, but right. you don't know how clued in he was. Maybe somebody behind the scenes knew that the Iridium was coming, right. and yeah. they kind of tipped him off. Or maybe he's got a marketing firm that's doing this stuff for him, and they're just looking at what other people are doing, and maybe they're clued into the industry. Who knows? Having um, Okay, having spoken with Thomas, okay, we both spoke with Thomas. We both... I just think he's a he's a nerdy guy who comes up with ideas. And I don't think is, he's he's really paying attention to other people. I don't, yeah, I, I was just going to say he seems like the kind of guy who spends more time watching Star Wars or Star Trek or something like that. You know, I, I, in other words, or reading technically, literally. Yeah, like I was going to say reading Star technical Wars. manuals, literally like just, reading technical manuals. I think he spends more time. He would he would be more likely to watch Adam Savage's one day builds, yeah, than to give a crap. Honestly, well, look to at give this a sweet crap about what anybody else. Look does. at the stuff he was designing when he was over at H and K, right? Right. Um, he's going completely against the trends of the industry. That's Everybody right. else is playing hundred watt heads and half stacks. He makes the red box, yep. right? Um, yep. Everybody else is playing or is going to small amps, right? Um, in the early part of the 2000s, he builds the Triumph. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this guy is not paying attention to what I don't, other I don't people are doing, <laughs> and I don't think he cares. Yeah, exactly. It's not because I don't – I think it's his ego. I don't think it's that. I think what it is, it's just his personality. We both have talked to him enough. Honestly, that long conversation that we had with him, I think it was very revealing. He was just like a little kid. Look at look at my yeah, dude, toys. He was super excited he was, and like was so he was, showing off, you know. Yeah, he was like a little kid. If you walk into the house, you know, where where um, like I can imagine this if it was a grandson I had. Dad, or grandpa, come here. Look at this. Look at this. You know, so and so got me this. I, I I was able to do this. Let me show you this this um, riff I learned. Let me and then and then they go from from showing me the riff they learned to showing me what kind of their favorite spaghetti is to showing me and that was Thomas Kluge. I mean, he was he was so scatterbrained. Yeah, in in a good way. Don't yeah, get me wrong. no, no, like very, like very yeah, eccentric genius, eccentric right. genius kind of thing. And and honestly, um, if we were going to characterize Nam into like one set of things that that dominated Nam this year, pedal board amps, yeah, small pedal amp configurations. We saw one from Orange. We saw yep. one. Uh, we of course know about Amp One. That's been a thing for a while. We know we saw radio. that kind of stuff from everybody else too. It right. was not a shock. Um, I, 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 there were a couple of products that I saw that I was like, I'm not really sure why this has to exist. Um, yeah. the neural DSP one is one that, that kind of freaks me out, but not for that reason. Yeah. So they've got their amp in a box, you know, modeler device thing that's going to compete with Helix and, and the Axe effects and allegedly is going to compete with the Kemper. And I, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, you know, with the same feature set as all these different devices. And they had a beta version of it, but it's not finalized. They're taking orders for this thing. $750 a piece and they don't exist yet. They don't have a product. They don't actually have a product. They have software. That's what they have. Yeah. I want to go to that real quick. So, so Christoph Kemper, we talked about that last year. Yep. I want to talk about the exact opposite of that. There's two companies Kemper and believe it or not, Marshall, who said, you know what? We're not going to talk about, we're not going to release. We're not going to take orders. We're not even going to, until it's ready. Christoph Kemper, last year, he had that. He had, he had that. But he wasn't ready. He was not ready for that, right. for that speaker that he showed this year. That is That it, speaker folks. is incredible, by the way. Did you see that thing? It's two speakers in one housing. That's, that's, 
a okay so that is a an engineering piece of, of audio engineering genius right yeah him and Celestia. he could have last year gone you know what i'm gonna release one and then it wasn't as good and then this year let's make a better one oh, let's well, make people the are still, volume two people are still pissed off about it though it's now, not powered yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he wants you to use your power i mean you could use the power Kemper or you could bring your, your own. Power amp. It's a power amp. They're so they, cheap. They were telling like, people though. It, it, they were telling people at Nam there is going to be a powered one. It just yeah, isn't, of course it isn't done. Is. It isn't done yet. Yeah, of um, course. And he's not the kind of person who's going to rush it. He even said this was this was a funny quote. I'm not going to use the exact words. I'm sure, but he said something to the effect of, "We don't line our up timeline with don't line up with right. We yeah. don't line up with the schedule." And he said like this, and we don't. Yeah, and he means those it. words. Yeah, those were words he actually said, and we don't care, or something like we obviously don't care. Yeah. It, in other words, he could give two of these coins that I'm showing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He could not give this coin, which has a zero on it and an F word on it. Okay. <laughs> um, he could not give two of those coins to anybody that that cares about because he, he's not letting Nam push his timelines, which is. Hey, how about that? Yeah. Okay. Then the other company, this one surprised me. Okay. This company surprised me that is not letting Nam push them to say anything about their new upcoming products or to push anything early because they've made that mistake in the past. Marshall. Marshall yeah. said, nope, not doing anything new this year. Here's some pretty colors. We're only going to put out what the, what the um, folks like um, uh, the, the dealers. I want to say something to folks that that don't might not understand when they say on a damn show these are already sold. What they mean is they're sold to the dealers. They're not sold to individuals. Yeah. They might be sold to the dealers. And if you want one of the new PRSs that's in some weird color, I can't remember the color not, now. Most of those are already gone. They're gone. Right. Yeah. I, I talked to uh, to uh, John Bot today. He said the ones that are coming to his. Uh, his dealer locally in Connecticut, mm -hmm. they're gone. They're already spoken. I said, if you want to get one, you better get one. He goes, no, can't get one. They're already gone. Yeah, I mean, and you the, can bet the dealers buy them full well knowing who they're going to. Yeah, before and you can they bet. even get announced. Yeah, and for some reason, PRS is only releasing 500 worldwide. So um, I saw um, Anderton's told him, he said, you could have put a zero at the end of that. You still would have sold it out. But he, um, Paul made a, um, a good statement about this. I want to come back to Marshall in a second. But Paul made a good statement about this. He said, I'm not going to sell more or as many as you could sell. He said, because that does not make them valuable. Um, valuable. It doesn't make them valuable to the person. There's no reason to want it if everybody else has got it. There's no reason to put out the great value version you know, of, of this. Put out the Nabisco and then put it out in the limited, like, you're not going to get another Game of Thrones Oreos, okay? There were no great value Oreos that were Game of Thrones, okay? You're not going to get that. I, I have a bag of great value Oreos. No, unopened. Anybody wants to buy them. Anyway, so the point is, I, I know, it's a, it's funny, but I'm going to tell you, in 20 years, somebody's going to want those great value Oreos. That's disgusting. Oh, they're not going to go bad. Just I'm like, just going to um, say, they probably won't go bad. They can't go bad. They're in a foil package. But the point is that, that I'm making with, with uh, Marshall, again, they wouldn't even talk about what is in the pipeline. So, nope. If I want to keep my job, I can't even mention it. So, that starts the rumor mill. Boom. Just like that. What's Marshall going to do? What's Marshall going to do? You know? 
All right, all right. So can we can we circle back on the neural DSP now? Yeah, because I have I have a laundry list of things to say about this product. So the neural DSP is uh, basically two helixes in one box. That's what they're alleging, right? With the ability to profile amps. Um, the the screenshots they're showing of it, which are completely fabricated, by the way. The uh, yep. I don't know if they actually had a physical box, but if they did, I suspect it was nothing more than a keyboard with buttons attached that was yep. triggering like a PC with the beta software. Um, yeah, with like Adobe I mean, Photoshop. So I would, I <laughs> right, I want to get because so I I work in the software industry. I work with folks who develop applications. Um, smoke and mirrors is super common for this sort of thing. Oh yeah, where they hide the fact that certain things aren't working and that the product may not be working at all. In fact, and that you may be triggering something else, but it's just proof of concept, right? Um, that's that's the whole idea behind it. Um, if it is everything they say it is. It's going to be a bargain. I highly suspect it will be lacking features. It will not do everything they say it's going to do. Um, and that it will probably come in at a, at a higher price than they're saying it is as well. Because there's, I, I, I heard the, the number 1500 thrown, along, thrown around for the quad cortex. Um, so two helixes in one box with more processing power, better DA converters, uh, higher quality software, quote unquote, which, you know, that's, a, that's, subjective right um and feature sets that are probably patented uh coming in at fifteen hundred dollars uh i think i think you're smoking reefer like there's no other way that this is i mean i just i i i, I was like are they high like what is going on here this is this is like saying i want to try to put this into perspective for everybody that, that buys any kind of electronic equipment this is like saying that they're going to stick two iphone 11 per x Pro Maxes, um, and you know, I mean, these these processors are not inexpensive. This is the thing that that drives your your um, your equipment, right? I mean, this is this is the most important thing. This is where all the brains and the functionality, all the math creates, and it's got to be done literally in microseconds. That's because, why they use DSP processors as opposed to x eighty six processors, like you find correct. in a computer. Correct. Um, and to say that you could stick that much processing power into this thing, it's because, I, I, I'm not saying they can't do it. I absolutely know they can. But the problem oh yeah, but is the price not at that price point. You're right. out of your mind. This is not like when Sony. All right. So Sony and, and Xbox goes, all right, we're going to release an Xbox or Sony. <clears throat> they have like twenty dollars. <laughs> sometimes they lose twenty dollars per. Or yeah, sometimes. But they're not licensing you software. Right. right. So what they do is they make money on the back end, right? They're selling you games or well, when you buy games, they get, they get half of the money you spend on a game. You ever wonder why a game is 60 bucks? It's because 30 of it is paying for your Xbox. (laughs) Pays for the Xbox. Literally that money goes to Sony. So if a million of, uh, you know, let's say it's a a ridiculously um, huge game that sells every single year, like call of duty or, uh, uh, Madden or whatever. Well, that stuff goes out there. Half that money goes to to Sony or or um, Microsoft. So they know that that it's okay to have a lost leader as as the console is. You know, as long as they get close to breaking even on it, they're going to make their money back in sh- in spades. But when you release a product like this, you've got to have markup for the end the end dealer. Okay, everyone who sells this for it, whether it's it's Sweetwater 
Guitar Center or no, Joe's no, Music Shop. because Neural DSP is not planning on having dealers. That's part of their their shtick. You're oh. going to buy it directly from them without trying it. Like Axe. Uh, All right. So, yeah, that's I think that's how this is going to get marketed. I don't think Neural DSP is going to going to do it any differently. Now, the funny Ooh. part about the thing is so they're saying they're doing full circuit modeling, which is basically what the HX the HX series of products, the Helix series of products and the XFX, which is like physical component modeling. And then it's yep. also going to have what they call neural capture, which is basically what the Kemper does. Right. Um, done in a, you know, in a similar way or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the tech behind it. I don't know if they can actually do it now, which they probably, they, I, I get the feeling that this is one of those products. Give us your 750 bucks, get on the pre-order list, and then it'll show up when it's finished, which might be three years from now. Um, even though they're saying, you know, this winter or whatever, I just don't, I cannot imagine this product launching like that. Okay. I want to, I want to give, I want to preface this with a sta- a scary story. So a few years ago, this woman had, had announced that she had a product, uh, her company had a product that could take a drop, droplet of blood and they could figure out what diseases you had from this droplet of blood. And this was to make it so that people didn't have to go through all oh, these. Oh, I also have to make a correction too, but go ahead. Yeah, all these kids. So anyway, she sold this. Uh, uh, this was this is a huge thing, and I can't remember what the company is. I'll look it up when you're going through your thing. But she made the sale, and she even faked her own voice mm-hmm. to convince people. So she had like this little high voice in real life, but she was like, "And now I'm going to present this," you know. And and she got caught a few times in her fake voice, and they were. She was like. Oh, I just have, have that was just a thing in my heart. Um, she literally uh, got billions of dollars, built many VCs for billions of dollars in vaporware, and they faked just like you're talking about with that software. They faked the results of many customers to um, to create the the illusion. That her product actually existed, but it did not exist. So, here's 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 my retraction. Uh, they said two hundred two hundred euros or two hundred dollars for your down payment, right? And then when this thing finally shows up, it'll be fourteen hundred dollars remaining plus shipping, um, and then it'll be shipped within five day five days of finishing. They expect that it will launch no sooner than November twenty twenty. So they yep. did not say you may. Re- so they say you may receive your quad cortex sooner than November twenty twenty. And then, but they're not saying when, and I haven't heard anyone who was at an AM show who actually played with this thing. Not yet. I'm sure people did. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny because, you know, this is, this is everything everybody wants on a modeler. It's not, that, I, I just, I find it hard to believe that not Boss, not Line 6, not Fractal, not Kemper or any of the other companies could deliver all of these products in one box, but Neural DSP who who is known for making plugins that are based on specific player sounds suddenly is the leader in modeling in the industry. I just I think yep. this is absolute bullshit. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's vapor okay, so, vapor hardware. Yeah. yeah. So the company was Theranos, T H E R A M O S, like um Thanos with an E R in the middle. Yeah. And here's what's funny. Her net worth at that time was in the billions, right? Mm-hmm. Nine billion valuation, nine billion dollar ba- 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 valuation of the companies. 
she is now worth that much. Zero. The same number that's on that co that coin I showed you. Zero. zero. She is worth zero dollars. That's just to give you an idea. Her name was Elizabeth Holmes. I think so. So Neuro, Neuro DS Neural is is a legitimate company, right? They've been selling products. They're they're highly thought of. Um, I I don't think anybody would call them the leader in their field. All right, but the interesting part about this is their first heart four way or for, uh, foray foray into yep. hardware. And I, I find it very hard to believe that this product is going to be the best thing on the market right out of the gate. And I also find it very hard to believe that it's going to debut with everything that they say that it's going to have on it. So I would, if I were you, don't be an early adopter. Don't drop your 200 bucks and hope, hope that this product appears because you're going to be waiting a long time. Number one, if it does appear with all the things that it says on it, and number two, you're going to get a reduced feature unit, which is, it's going to be a step back for the company. And you know what? More power to them for making a product that, that has intense ambitions. I mean, I watched the video. If this thing looks like it does when it comes out and it can do the profiling thing, I mean, I'm going to look real hard at it. Um, I I just hesitate to think that's the case. Uh, so case in point, uh, Fractal has a similar feature in their stuff called Tone Match. And you can get this in other products, too. Um, it goes by different names. But essentially what it does is it listens to a sample of audio of guitar playing and then it makes an EQ curvature happen on the, the tone stack of whatever you're doing that matches that. Um, in the in the Axe effects, it's basically just an IR that gets supplied over the top of your signal. So it, it changes the contour of what you're doing. Um, and bias is very similar as well. And I could totally see, because bias doesn't, by the way, I could totally see this being just like bias's profiling thing. Where it's like, we're just going to select the closest amp model based on what our neural quote unquote DSP does and says that this is similar to what you're doing. And then applies an IR to the top of it and says, there's your there's your model, which some people have insinuated. That's what the Kemper does. I find it very difficult to believe that the Kemper does that. But that's just because of my my playing ability. And I I've tinkered with IRs and put them over sounds that are already processed and mic cabinets and things like that. And that's not exactly the same thing. So uh, I, I, I get it. They, they want to be all things to all people. Um, there's patents involved, which are going to be a problem. There are, and, and he, this is what really drives me nuts. This is where you know that they're completely like pandering to the, to the Kemper people, um, myself included, is that their neural capture screen looks literally like a display on the Kemper. You have gain, volume, save, refine, start from scratch, and reference. Those are the buttons the exact same buttons you get in the Kemper when you do a profile. Um, and it's like, okay, you know, it's pretty clear what you're doing here. We'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe they're looking at it from this approach. They write software and they know that it's very easy to pull these things off. And so they're going to do the exact same thing. Or maybe they have licensed uh, the Kemper technology and, you know, they're going to utilize that. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I cannot imagine uh, that that feature is going to be in this unit. I think that's a very unique technology. I think Crystal Kemper owns the market on that. And and I think that's why he's been doing it for seven years with no competition. Because that's what, I, that's what it is mind-boggling to me. They're, oh, we got this new unit coming out. And it does the same thing that this other thing does that nobody else can do. Right. I it's, it, it just strikes me as being like, no, this is garbage. This is ridiculous. Um, you're expecting yeah. me to believe lies. 
So I don't know. Um, if it does come out, like I said, and it comes out the way that they're saying it's going to, I will be shocked. I will also be looking very hard at the product, but I think this is a pitch deal. We're going to build our first hardware unit. This is what we want it to look like. Here's the beta with the smoke and mirrors demo. Pay your money up front and you can crowdsource this thing for us because we can't afford to do it ourselves. That's what right. it sounds like to me. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's a crowdfunding thing. Will it work? I don't know. Will they release a like a down uh, a, a lower version promise everybody upgrades? They could do it. They could do a Tesla. They could do they could run a Tesla yeah. and go, you know what? If you want all these other features, you're going to have to buy this high-end unit. And you and if you're going to buy the unit, we announced it, NAM, you're going to have to yep. wait two years because we're not going to be producing them until then. Yeah, who is it? There was another company that did that where they um, they actually fulfilled orders that came later than they did for the orders that came in. That uh, Tesla's been known to do that. Because, Somebody because, else, but that. but it's because so like Tesla, you order the Model Three, right? You get the base Model Three, which is like supposed to be like thirty five grand, and then yep. and then before that ever comes out to market, they're like, well, we're gonna start on the seventy thousand dollar ones first. So if you'd like yeah. to switch your order. <laughs> Um, oh, well, what you call it was, 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 I, I don't think they actually did it. So I don't want to say that they did, but I think somebody accused, um, uh, uh, Kiesel of doing Kiesel is if you pay in full up front, that's their, but that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me too. If I know I, I know I poo pooed it when we talked about it initially, but it makes sense to me. If I'm a, if I'm a builder and you give me your $3,000 or $2,000 or whatever up front or $1,500. And then I've got a person that paid 400 or whatever the down payment is. I'm probably going to fill your order first. Cause I, I know you're out your money already and you're sitting and waiting where the other person, yeah, they may or may not complete the order as much as everybody. I, I hear this a lot. You know, somebody will go, Oh, I was going to, I was going to do this. I was going to do that. That's like your parents saying, yeah, I was going to bring, bring you over to uh, Disney today, but instead I'm just bringing you to the park because you were bad. I mean, it's like I, I was gonna do it, but uh, can, can, I hear it a lot. Can, I'm just looking at the so, so we're gonna put the nail in this coffin real quick, but yeah, um, I'm looking at the so they have like the invisible glass like look so you can see the components inside. Um, yep, I would be lying if I said I didn't open my helix when I had it. Um, and I saw the board that was in it. Now, granted, that's three year old tech, but that thing filled the entire. Inside of that, and it was like multi-layered uh, inside right. of that unit. They're saying they're going to do something twice as powerful in a box, basically like an inch or two longer than the stomp. Yeah, I find, and then a, you see the board inside this mock-up, and they're like, "Come on, guys, cut the crap! There's no way, there's no physical way you're doing that right now. Not not with the components you've got to stick in there. That's ridiculous. I'm I'm not buying it." As I said, this is vaporware. Nobody knows what this thing is actually going to look like. And it might debut totally in a totally different box. Uh, it's definitely going to have the the touchscreen. I would not be so shocked if we don't see uh, um, a Kemper uh, a Kemper 2 that actually is it's the same modeling and everything, except that it runs two amps, it has a color yep. display, touchscreen. They eliminate half the buttons on the unit. You know, like that, that whole thing. But yeah, I just this is this is I, it's making me sick. So because because they're taking advantage of people in the industry, and uh, it, I mean it's one thing when Fractal does it. Fractal has like a long history 
of product delays and stuff. And I think people sort of know yeah. when they buy a fractal product or get on a fractal list, it's going to be a while before they get one. Uh, It'll be a while. But neural DSP, I mean, this is, this is, there's no expectation there yet. So no. I don't know. Well, all right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't neural DSP kind of a company that started as like a software developer for others? Like they developed software for folks like the Marshall Code or the the Defender things. Or I stuff haven't. Like that. I haven't heard that. I mean, I, I'm I not know. saying it's not true, but I haven't heard that. They they have a line of plugins that are that are good. I mean, yeah, but they are they're good, but they're not like. Here's a full featured modeling platform. It's like here's the tone of plenty. Like it's 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 a whole weird, you know, here. Yeah. I could see Rabia doing a tone with neural DSP. And Justin yeah. Abasi has done a tone with neural DSP. They're known yep. for like those kinds of players. Right. Which is why I kind of scratch my head on this and go, do you really gotta make the leap beyond gent and metal into like, you know, the bar band kind of thing in order for this to be successful? Yeah. Um and I just That's I don't. I'm not saying it could be a successful product. No, no, saying, not at all. Not at all. Um, I hope it's successful because actually, this would be this is stiff competition for the yeah. for the the players in the game already, and it would be interesting Super to stiff. see how that actually pans out. But I, I'm just, I have a hard I mean, time let, believing that this is going to be a real product. <laughs> right. I mean, let's face it. The in the in the grand scheme of things, there's two real big players right now that you got to go up against, and so that's Line Six and. <laughs> Okay, so let's. I mean, those are the two biggies. I mean, Axefx is out there. Don't get me wrong. I know Axefx is out there, but they are not as big in numbers. Uh, I mean, as... I, I see a lot of them around here. I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't have the numbers. I would suspect yeah. Axefx now. Kemper's probably bigger now because because of the 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 um, stage and because they right. actually have distributors. But I can't imagine right. them being that much bigger. It just depends. Um, if anybody dropped by the Fractal booth, did anybody find out when the uh, when their little uh, stomp guys coming out. Yeah. If, if you did, let us know in the group. Uh, I have a feeling they're all still <laughs> sitting in a warehouse with bad firmware. Uh, moving on. Um, uh, so, other things, other controversial things right. at NAM. Can okay, we talk about? Pia. Let's, let's talk, talk about Pia, Pia. Pia. All right, let's talk about Pia. I did not know that was his wife's name, by the way, and I apologize for for the uh, indication that it was that Matt painted. I the thought ass. it meant painted the ass. <laughs> all right. So the Ivan is Pia. Um, the, this thing was leaked. Okay. Some retailer leaked this about a week or two before Nam in a, in a yep. catalog. Oh, and I it didn't had know the that. prices on it. And I, this is when the controversy starts. Oh boy. People were furious that uh -oh. there was a new signature coming out from Steve Vai. They were furious that it had flower petal holes on it. They were furious oh. about the pickup covers. They were furious. I mean, literally anything you could possibly think of about this guitar that they could be angry about, they were ticked. And wow, internet anger is well. Is I I don't know whether they were mad because it's like, well, I already have a gem. Now I don't want to have to buy this one too, or yeah, what it was. But but so styling aside, right? Like this is a very yeah. this is an artsy fartsy guitar. I'm just gonna put it that way. Yeah. Um, many yeah. people would characterize this guitar as being a feminine guitar. I I disagree. But only from the perspective, I like I whole, I get the whole like Japanese warrior culture and and yep. the 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 rose you know stuff and all of the the like you know plant and tree of life and all that. I get it. 
that that totally makes sense on this instrument and and any of the instruments that he's done because of the, his playing style and his ability and all that stuff and his eccentricness and his artistic thing and all that um but it, the internet kind of goes buck wild with this stuff and they look at this and they go he's naming a guitar after his wife and that was like the frustration that everybody had he's naming the guitar after his wife and I, I still don't understand why people had such a problem with him naming the guitar after his wife. Uh, I don't understand why people have a problem with the monkey grip getting changed. Um, that's that's another like, oh, my gosh, no, it's pedals. If they didn't even need to be there kind of comment, um, that's not even functional, which, OK, you're probably right on that one. Um, I, I, I personally, I still prefer the gem. Am I okay. mad that he did the Pia? No, I could care less. I'm not going to buy yeah, one. If you do First of all, if you, first of all, if I was to choose between the gem and the Pia, of course I don't know the price tag. Uh, so it's, you're gonna shock me. It's four thousand. Uh, oh my it's god! It's four thousand, uh, like two hundred, I think. And then if you buy it at retail, so like the the map price is like thirty two hundred, I think. Okay, that's it's what right I in line with the gem. So it's, okay, so it's a gem. It's a prettier gem. To me, I, if I had a choice between the two, because because that is about the same price point, that would not bother me at all. Um. I'd go with the Pia. I, I honestly would choose the Pia over the There Pia. was more controversy, I like, and, I, and I know – by the way, it's $3,500. Um, okay. I like the cutaway. That The gem's what, 3300 The gem three thousand. yeah. Well, so that's the controversy because people are like, they're not going to make the gem in Japan anymore. That's what, what? That's what people are thinking. That's not no, been that's, said. That is 100% nobody's. not been said by anyone. Right. The, the gem right now currently goes for 3000 flat. All right, three thousand. So this thing is thirty five hundred, right? So it's got. I think those laser cut in the laser cut pickup covers are freaking great looking. I think more companies should look at that kind of thing for styling. Yeah, I think they're gorgeous. Um, I think artistically, like the way that this guitar is laid out visually, it's probably one of the coolest guitars ever to look at. Except, I'm not a big fan of the. Uh, the the pedals and and I only say that because they're they're big. Um, if they've done them smaller and done them maybe not as a full thing like a German carve or something into the top of the guitar, maybe not as a full thing where you could see through it. I think I would have liked it more. Um, I think the pedals actually because they're a whole for me. It's like well, why would you take away that part of the instrument? I mean, I would rather have the wood there for strength and stability. Those are very thin sides. And if you drop this guitar or something gets dropped on top of it, you could potentially crack that. And I mean, it's a $3,500 guitar. Um, All right. So I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. At guitar Center. If anybody's thinking of getting one, I work at Guitar Center. Folks. Yeah. Um, I, look at and I can get you a 20% off. So anyway. Gosh, gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous looking stuff. Well, inlays First are of amazing. All, oh, my God. The inlays are Beautiful. The headstock design is gorgeous. The back of the guitar is crazy. The the um the magnetic, magnetic backplate. Yes, backplate. finally. He was like is. he was like <laughs> real. He he says when he pulls it off on the, on one video, I saw he goes he goes wow. And we've been waiting this long for magnets. And why do we need all these screws? Yeah, dude. Like I saw that's that. A, I'm like, that's finally. a change you'd come to the jam. It's like finally somebody did it. Yeah. I was waiting for it. Yeah. Um, bring that to the jam. But because uh, that, that would be a zero. Nah, cost for me, honestly, Jim, just rip the backplate off. Well, yeah, that's what most people do. But I, all I'm going to say is if I had a choice, if I was buying new, 
I'd buy this. And I would buy it. Oh my God, that paint is beautiful. Panther All paint. of the colors are but great. But I'd probably go with it. The lime green, the gold, it looks absurd. Oh, oh the gold. Oh my God. <laughs> that is just incredible. They put the paint in the inlays and the blue and just, ah, oh, the thing is beautiful. Which I want to get to about this beauty stuff in a minute, but because I do this to myself all the time. But uh, the three-piece neck, the uh, you know, to me, this guitar screams uh, today and gorgeous. I mean, I, I mean, okay, could they have made the pedal cuts a little smaller? Yes. I. It's but, not just the smaller. I think they they shouldn't have gone all the way through the guitar because that's just handle. And these aren't handles. They aren't. They're they're decoration. <laughs> That's true. It's a functionality thing. It's not a it's not a visual thing so much as a functionality thing to me. Like the the suggestion that it goes all the way through the guitar says handle because we know yep. gem the gem and the monkey grip. Like and right. we know this is a Steve Vai guitar. It's got the Tree of Life inlay, all that stuff. I, yep. I really feel like that should have been uh, like a German carve or some sort of routing in the top of the guitar. Um, and, and maybe even tie it into the, to the inlay work some way, um, just so it makes like visual sense with the rest of the guitar. I, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's, it's a very unique choice and it's not necessarily the one I would have made. Right. And, and I'm going to say this just because I would not have made that decision. uh, I love this sun do gold. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, wow. I, Honestly, I think that the only one I don't like just because I'm not a big and green. I actually think the, the green is great, but I think the pink is probably the preferred color, to be honest with you. Yeah. That that with the rose petal cutout on the pink, yep. it does look quite good. Yeah, the Panther pink is just beautiful. And I and I honestly can see that one selling like boom. Well, and those are oh. limited editions. So if you want one, you got to get your hands on one now. Because yep. they are uh I think they're only do they're it's like the when they first did the gems. They had white and then they had the three colors and the three colors are yep. not hugely sought after. Um, yep. If I were you, I would wait a year or two until they do the floral. That's when you yeah. want one. Because you know that's gonna, the one yeah, that's going to be worth gonna... an insane amount of money when they do it. And it might be yep. four or five K, but yep. I mean, it'll be worth it because that guitar will be seven or 10 K <clears> in three or four years. And you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know what's going to happen. The, I mean, what the original right. florals are now what? 12 K, 13 K or something like that. I see him going. I've yeah. seen him go for that. Yeah, um, yeah. I've seen him go well over ten thousand dollars. So, all right. So, and originally, I think they were what? That was the late eighties. So, yeah, that was like right when they came out, eighty nine or eighty eight. So, yeah. yeah. So those things were like I think three, not even three grand, but I think they wound up becoming three grand because a lot of people kind of like what they'll do with the with this um, one color off PRS. People are going to put their $500 down and then sell that $500 yeah. deposit to someone else for like a thousand or two thousand or three thousand. I, I tell you what. So I'm, so this is, here's my, my biggest issue. Um, these are Adler bodied, right? Yeah. Alder, yeah, yeah. I believe they're Alder. The other one, the, the gem is not Alder. It is an Alder cap over basswood. I believe. That's right. Basswood. Um, which I'm gonna I'm gonna talk briefly about that before we before we move on to the next topic. But um, so they're alder body. I actually know the Gem Seven V is actually an alder body. 
um, with a walnut neck, five piece maple, yep. maple and walnut neck. Of course, it's got stripes, you know. Um, I seem to remember. No, it's the inexpensive ones, like the the blue floral and the woody and all the other ones. Those I are the ones were, that have. They the were basswood. the basswood, so they had a an alder top, alder over, and basswood. then the, that was to protect the basswood back. Yep. Um, yeah, because basswoods really easily. Listen, I, I you know I know people say, say this all the time, like. I've been as RGs, you know, it's basically the same thing as a gem. Uh, it's not. And, and that's, no. it's that basswood body has a lot to do with it. Um, I, I, if you're going to buy an RG 550, which I think they're doing them right now, right? RG 550. Yep. I want to see um, what, what material they're making out of. So the Genesis, the 550, it's basswood, right? Yeah. If you're going to buy that kind of body, and it's basswood. I would seriously consider just buying a Gem Junior and doing upgrades to it, um, because I, I'm I'm not a fan of basswood myself. I know some people like it, and that's fine. If you like it, great. Get one. Be ha be happy. Um, I've played. We talked about it a couple. I think a couple episodes ago. I played several Gem Juniors. I liked. It's probably going to be guitar that I end up getting, um, at some point, but only because I'm going to customize the crap out of it i'm not going to leave it stock i'm going to put my own floyd on there whether it's a, a, yep. an edge or whatever i do with it um it's not going to be the stock one and i want to i want to get one because not because of the steve Vai thing i yeah that's a big deal those guitars are really versatile and i for anybody who has never played a, a hum single hum uh it's one of the most versatile pickup configurations you can get your hands on there's a reason why guys like steve Vai have gra grappled onto that and for those of you who don't right. realize like Steve I did still play sessions, which I, I think a yeah. lot of people forget that he did some country session. Yeah. Like recently. Yeah. Um, and he still makes music for movies and stuff. So he has to have something that right. doesn't just sound like my, it's got to be a little bit functional. And um, that's right. If there's anybody who, when you listen to the records, uh, has like the most amount of guitar tones and insanity on them. Uh, Steve, I pretty much is like top of the list. I mean, so that's a testimony to how like, um, violently, I would say violently. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, adaptable. These guitars are. So yeah. that I, I mean, you could buy this and put your own pickups in it. You get a Floyd guitar if you like Floyd's yep. that can do pretty much anything you want. Um, for not yeah. a lot of money, and if you buy the Gem Junior, guess what? It's not basswood's mahogany. Right. So. Yep. So. That's put a nail in the PX. Um, yeah, thing. I don't want to use the word coffin because it's a human being. I, I knew a woman named Pia when I was younger. So she's um, a musician too. I certainly don't want to. Bass, she oh, was is a she? bass player in Vixen. Oh, that's right. She was the bass player in Vixen. So uh, um, I keep forgetting that. You know, it's it's funny because he kind of overshadows what she did, and yet Vixen is huge. He overshadows a lot as of far things. As a, the guy's yeah. He's a as monster. far as um she they were one what they were an all girl band. Yeah. Right? All right. All right. So let's talk about um, the Gibson booth. So, all right. Before we get, yeah, let's go to the Gibson booth. We'll talk Gibson to want to go PRS. So let's talk about Gibson. I, I think one of the important things is, and a lot of people are making guesses right now, but they don't know. Although Pete Thorne does know. So I do know that they know what they're working on. Jerry Cantrell joined Gibson as one of their ambassadors. Now, I think that's important to talk about because that's not just a, a uh, signature person or a, a person that's you know a, a one of their their uh, clients that's a ambassador 
to Gibson, okay, which is a little bit different. It's a higher stature, which means um, a Cantrell model is coming uh, more like what Satch has got, okay, which is like a budget. Can I, can so, I point out something? So yeah. he has an existing endorsement, and to my knowledge, he didn't leave that endorsement either. Um, no, he did. That's what I'm so, saying. So this is the this but he's been named the range part of the Gibson, and I wanted to comment on this because you brought it up. Um, I read this yep. the other day, and I was like, huh? But they actually so a lot of Gibson players that end up on their artist roster are not Gibson exclusive, which is right. strange because. Most of your Fender players that are on their roster are Fender exclusive, and we know why That's that right. is. Um, and yep. you could see a lot of other guitar players from a lot of other brands who are exclusive, like Jackson Guitars. Oh, wait, that's Fender, right? And Charvel. Oh, wait, yeah. that's Fender, right? And that's then, Fender. Um, uh, ESP, LTD, Gretsch. Wait. Um, yep. So you get the yep. point. Like, they don't really care if you're exclusive so much as that their primary stuff is the Gibson, if, especially if you're going to be a right. brand ambassador. Because even even yep. Slash is not Gibson only. I mean, he plays right. um, BC Riches pretty frequently in the studio and live. So, yeah. or at least he was. I don't know if he is now. He may be. He may switch now that he is their primary spokesperson. Um. Anyway, so yeah, go on, Jim. No, that was my point. My so, what I was getting at is there is there is talk of a new Cantrell thing. So I was thinking about the fact that so uh, obviously Gibson is coming out with a whole line of slashes because I want to get to the the Epiphone side of things because I think that's more, I think that's more exciting than than anything. Yeah, Gibson is doing. Except for the headstock. Um, well, that's what I'm talking. Why about. did so, they bother? Um. So the uh, the um. Oh, I think something that we're going to see only because um, the Les Paul has been Les Paul for a long time. Right? Yeah, I don't think that'll that's ever not going to change. They're not going to start calling it a single cut. No, I don't think that's like it's change. They call it a single cut. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> By the very the people that they <laughs> Um No, I think what we're going to start seeing is possibly some new lines. Notice the slash line, right? Which kind of took over. They were like, okay, we've we've made the standard the way you all wanted it. Here's the standard. It's this basic standard. Here it is, cross line. But for a little more money, you can get these cool colors and this stuff that's going to have they're slashes. Sti they're stepping the their toe in the water of doing EVH. Right. If exactly. you haven't figured that that's out yet, exactly. that's where this is headed. There will be a slash line of guitars before this is over with. That is not Gibson slash. It will be slash by Gibson. Um, and he will be the primary focus of this brand, which kills me because there are so many great artists who play Gibsons that are better than what I mean, tonally that are better than what he's done. Um, his the whole reason that he is popular is because of the image and attitude. And and I know people are going to like, oh, but he's a great player. He is a good player. But without the image and attitude, he's nothing. He's not an Ingve Malmsteen. He's not a Steve Vai. He's not a Joe Satriani. He's uh, an Angus Young for the for the 90s. I mean, that that's right for the early 90s, really, and the late 80s. Um, so if you stop and you think about that, like. 
he is kind of a perfect spokesperson for their brand and actually probably also the perfect person to launch a brand under the Gibson umbrella. But at the same time, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, a hollow tree. <laughs> you're making this, you're making this beautiful structure, but, but it's, it's hopelessly hollow. Okay. So I, I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to dis disagree with you for a moment. Okay. So, Slash represents more than Slash in a lot of people's minds, my own included, in that Slash was the was literally the end of an era. I would argue he's the beginning of when, the next era. Or you could say it that way. But what I'm saying is he was he was at the he was at the turning point of what we we had all this hair metal, right? That's what that's what Satriani and Vi represent that to a lot of people. That's what um uh, you know, Marti Di Martini yeah, right, right, right. and all those other folks represent, right? Um, Ingve Momstein, all those. Here's here's two people. I'm going to mention their names, right? Jerry Cantrell and Slash. Slash first, then Jerry Cantrell. And they represent something totally <laughs> new that still rocks. It still requires a guitar and it's still the um, the era of Gibson. And I'm seeing something really important here, and I'm going to say this because we haven't, we hadn't for a long time, we hadn't really seen a lot of new Gibson artists, right? They're out there, you know, there's, oh, look at me, I play a Gibson. Then the next week, they're like, I'm playing um, Schechter now, or I'm playing, you know, whatever, because Schechter and Ibanez and, uh, you know, those folks, ESP, were going at them full force because they were like, look at us, you can play us. Um, even even Metallica ran off of Gibson, right? I mean, they 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 got off Gibson. Arguably, arguably that they were not both Gibson guys to begin with. I mean, right? I'm just Kirk saying, Hammond's right, famous it, guitar was an ESP. That's right. I was going to say they, if they were both. Yes, I, that's so, even though he got a deal and he got free explorers, that does not mean that they were like a Gibson artist per se. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, but the people that didn't leave the brand were the Jerry Cantrell and the, um, you know, the slash people. So uh, here's what I'm getting at. They're perfect ambassadors because they represent right now classic rock to a lot of people that are younger even than sure. you. Right? Sure. They are classic rock. They are what, what their moms and dads, your kids, now are the kids coming up. So I saw this band called Haim. Now I'm not crazy about their music. Don't get me wrong. It's H A I M. They're kind of like uh, what's what was that kid band that was? They did do up, Hanson. Up, up, do up. What was Hanson? They're the Hanson of today, but they're girls. Um, but three sisters, I guess. The um, the thing is, guess what? The two of them that play guitar are playing at SG and LS Paul, and the other one. And this is the thing that Gibson is okay with. The other one is playing bass. What's she playing? Playing of course. So, and, and we just talked about that. But here's the thing that, that I think Gibson is doing smartly. By putting Cantrell in there, I think Cantrell and and uh, uh, Slash, like you were talking about, I think we're going to see a Cantrell line as well. I think that's going to be huge. And that's going to be huge. Go ahead. Okay. Here's a, my first retort. This is why the EVH line works for Fender. EVH is known for innovation in gear, right? 
the, the we look at the uh, the Axis model, which was originally the Wolfgang, which became, you know, the PV Wolfgang and then the EVH Wolfgang. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And he was known for, you know, of course, the, the before that, the Frankenstrat, which was wildly like, what the hell is oh, yeah. this thing? When, when people first saw that. Um, oh, and yeah. I'm not just talking about the color. I mean, just just the concept of it. That thing was just a 335 a, yeah, pickup just, in a in a strat, you know. A yeah, mess. and it was and and it was like <laughs> the bare minimum of crap you would need to actually to get it to work, you know. Um, exactly. Here's a volume. It doesn't now. get more. I, I'm honestly, it doesn't get more rock and roll than that. And and no. I actually see him and this is why I think they're picking Slash. They're parallels, right? But Slash is not known for innovation. He's known for the for the roots thing. Like he went back to his roots or, or rock and roll's roots and picked up the Les Paul, right? Um, so here's where here's where I think it, it gets it gets kind of sketchy. Slash doesn't play Gibsons. Like he plays master builds and stuff, or he plays vintage ones. Not what they're putting out today. And that and that's where I'm like, okay, so you're gonna be the brand ambassador, but you're not playing modern stuff. Um now Jerry Cantrell. I'm not. I'm not going to poo-poo that guy at all. I I love Jerry Cantrell. I love his playing. I love his yeah, music. I love all of his endorsements. Every product I've ever played, this guy's name on it has been. Good. And I was a late adopter of uh, Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. I mean, Allison Chains. I'm sorry, Allison <laughs> Chains. Sorry. I, I was thinking King Kim uh, Thayil, like, right? That's no, that's Soundgarden. Oh Jesus, Jim. Who the hell's Pearl Jam? Who the hell's Pearl Jam? Um, oh, God, now you're going to make me look bad because I can't remember his name. I get, I can't um, remember now. Oh my god! We'll come back to um, it. Hold on. Um, yeah, go ahead. Anyway, so yeah, because because you picked the ones that I like, right? Like Kim Thale and and from that generation of guitar yeah, players. Yeah, me too. Um, Michael Creed, right? right. <laughs> and I actually love his playing too. Um, I like him uh, too. <laughs> which which makes me feel really bad. They couldn't remember his name on the spot. But um, <laughs> all right. So here's where here's where this this the whole thing goes astray. Um, Jerry Cantrell. As good a guitar player as he is, isn't a representative of the Gibson brand. Okay, the the guitars that that he made famous are like the GNL Rampage and stuff like that that were like really obscure and nobody else wanted them. Um, and that's right. He's a, he is a GNL endorser. If you know, obviously that's you know I I like GNLs too, but I don't have any of his. Um, and and I'm not actually like a super huge fan of the guitars he's done with GNL. But like I said, anything he's oh. done that I put my hands on has been really good. The, the Dunlop Wah is great. Um, the uh, the amp he did with uh, uh, Friedman is good. Um, yep. So yeah, they, the, all that aside, right? They needed another brand ambassador, and I'm really shocked that they, that he's turned it down or whatever's gone on there. But where's Joe Bonamassa in this? Okay, so let, let's get back to to the. Let, let's finish the, the, the Gibson thing because I really I, want to come to a There's no there, I, there's I no artistic relevance to either of these gentlemen anymore. I, I'm not saying this they're is, not relevant in culture today. Like so I had a conversation with the people that I bought my car from the other day and I mentioned it even here and they're like, who's that? And I, I, I was like, oh, you probably know who Billy Ellis is though, right? And I just left it at that. I didn't go any further. I was just kind of sitting there thinking, really? They're not relevant anymore? Yeah. Um, right. So... All right, so let me say this, all right, because this I think this is important. The difference between what Eddie Van Halen is doing for Fender and what um, Cantrell, 
slash and Bonamassa, whether he knows it or not, is doing for both. But he's not an ambassador. That's my point. No, he's just a guitar ambassador. I don't think anybody's ever going to convince him to go that that route. Money thoughts. Because I was always thinking he should. Well, let me tell you something. He's put out more signature lines with who than... That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, he makes the perfect sense. What are they doing? That's right. I don't even think they have to convince him. No. Yep. Throw him a a signature line every now and again. He's fine. Wait until he's too old and isn't putting out such great stuff. Because John Abadamasa is doing one thing that nobody else is doing. Nobody. I don't care what musician it is. At least for now. Um, He's a museum. He's He's a mobile museum. He's just himself. That's right. He's just himself. He doesn't give a crap about what record companies are doing. He doesn't care a crap about what radio stations are playing. He doesn't care about what what movies want him. He do, he's doing what Joe Bonamassa wants to do, and people are buying it. I mean, that that and I'm not saying that's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just that's saying what Joe Bonamassa is doing it's, what Joe Bonamassa. It's a fact. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's here's what I think with Cantrell, and and you actually make my own point for me. Thank you. Eddie Van Halen is talking about innovation, but in all reality, the the um, the the blah, blah, Wolfgang it's being put out right now is not all that much different. No, it's not. That PV put out. It's not. Okay. There really isn't a whole lot of innovation going on in his line. You're you're absolutely right on that, and I was no. going to get to that too. Um, so so the the Pia is not that much different from the Gem. Let's face it; it's got some carvings and stuff. But the core of the guitar is I, I want to get right core of the guitar is up. Um, although let's face it, the the Pia for me, I, I think the Pia is is has got many innovations that belong there. But this is what this is what I want to get to. Nobody nobody is um, out there going, "Hey, look at me! I'm the Fender Ultra player. I'm the I'm the Fender Elite player." I'm no, because whatever, it's all about endorsement right? deals. It's a way to get that's cash. Right. Because that's right for for. In reality, let's face it, for Fender and Gibson and Martin, you know, over here in, in acoustic land, nobody gives a flying crap about what they do do. They want to know what they can do that is that brings back the power of the old. And the only thing that 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 I think Cantrell um and and of course Slash and and, and in his own way, in his you know, by his own, you know, self uh, um, absorbed <laughs> Or whatever way, uh, Bonamassa is doing. They're doing the music their way, um, and and the thing is that that I think that people look to Slash and people look to Cantrell and people look to Bonamassa because they want people who want really expensive Gibsons and Fenders, for that matter, want the old stuff. They don't give a shit. Who? What did what did Fender put out? They put out the Broadcaster. They have re they got. They got. Uh, I, I actually knew about this two years ago. Um, they have reissued the broadcaster in a relatively limited run. Yeah. Um, and there. And believe me, you will see the no. They've already done that. They've already done that. The custom shops done no caster runs before. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, well, I don't know in the in the broad scheme is what we're going to see here from the broadcaster this year, which is a bigger. It's a bigger release. I, I, not, in other words, they're going to try to reach. I just people. laugh because I'm like, it's not. Why would you want to broadcast? Just get telecaster. Same same damn thing. I know. I know. It's a I collector's know, item. Know. That's all it is. This isn't about. So let, let's let's be real. This isn't about necessarily being period authentic for players. This is about right. being a collector's item. 
Okay, if you're going to reissue right. something like that, that's a collector's item. Right, but we're what we're about to see, I think Gibson is doing, Eddie Van Halen did it first, obviously. Gibson is doing with uh, Slash and going to do with Cantrell is I think they're going to come out. And it's interesting that Jerry Cantrell is JC and, of course, the new guy is JC. But anyway, I think we're going to see a JC line. Um, and those two lines are relatively affordable. I mean, and if you look at the Pia and the Gem, those are relative. I mean, compared the to, new compared slash to models, other high end guitars. I, right, I do they're not just a Pia under, affordable. I think I, I've said it on the show many a time. I think if you're paying over $2,000 $2, for, for a guitar, you're lying to yourself. I, I really believe that. Yeah. I, I think there's diminishing returns. I, I will see your diminishing returns and and say that I'm willing to bet you money that within the next three to five years, we're going to see that same slash run in Epiphone. And that's where we got to get back to Gibson because Epiphone. All of the new Epiphones that are coming out for 2020 from this run, regardless of the fact the headstock change wasn't as big as we were hoping or wasn't as small as we were hoping, let's just let's call it that, um, because you can still row a boat with it. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the changes that we're, we're seeing right now are Gibson is ready to say, okay, you know what? We're not selling as many high-end Gibsons as we were. Let's get let's get this Epiphone train rolling and let's sell some freaking Epiphones. Because if you look, that that new Epiphone line is not increasing the price of the Epiphone line that's current. You get a 50s Epiphone, it's $599, just like an Epiphone standard is now. You get a 60s Epiphone, it's going to be the same as the standard is now. The pricing doesn't change. The headstock changes, all the stuff changes. You get to get a modern, which actually isn't all that expensive. It's under $700, barely. Um, but it's, okay, let's say it's right at $700. Um, but it's... Um, it's got all the modern features, including the same cutaway back, which they've never done for Epiphone. They've never made it oh, look yeah. like I know. I, I'm getting to a point I'm, here. I'm, I got that is one. That, yeah, that is that that Gibson is going for whether they whether they accomplish it or not is is beside the point. Because I want to get to marketing next. That's a, that wants to be my well that last at least. Um, and that is that uh, we're we're seeing. A line from Epiphone in a way we've never seen Gibson push Epiphone before. All right. Go ahead. So there are some things I like in the Epiphone line. I will admit that first off. Um, I liked yep. – um, I'm, I'm actually – I'm on Sweetwater right now. I'm going to sort by uh, newest products just so I can yep. have them all on screen so we can talk about them one at a time. Um, yeah, they actually have a little thing you can click. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of confused about the Muse. Um I what the one I liked was the the sixty one yeah, the Muse one. All right, so yeah, and, and and there's a reason I there's a reason I'm bringing this one up specifically so so we can talk about it in in depth. But the uh, sixty one standard SG with Vibrola, um, I love the fact that they're doing a sixty one standard SG in the Epiphone line because they're nice guitars. Um, but why in the hell would you put a Vibrola 
on uh, I mean, which is a notoriously crappy vibra- vibrato system on a guitar that's marketed for like 500 bucks. There's no way in hell that's going to be a usable item. I'm 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 saying it right now. Because because you're targeting somebody who wants a vibrato. You're not necessarily targeting somebody who knows how to use one or knows that it's it's I wouldn't get one on a high-end guitar. As a matter of fact, um, Billy Gibbons and um, uh, Angus Young, the first thing they do when they get a vibrola they is what? It. They disable it. The uh, Les Paul Standard 50s metallic gold. That Okay, so this is what we were saying all along, which is that they need to bridge the gap. The models that Epiphone puts out need to be closer to what they put out from the uh, the Gibson Standard line um, and the, the Gibson line. This is probably you're, – you're probably thinking I'm heading down the road of agreeing with Jim on this. But I'm I'm getting there, and it's not just the headstock. There's another there's another little right. little thing. Um, so these guitars, like here's a here's a standard fifties metallic gold, right? Six hundred bucks. Here's a uh, standard fifties, um, our standard sixties again, six hundred bucks. Or they're they're five ninety nine, six hundred bucks. Both those guitars. Uh, Les Paul Custom Alpine White. This is a good deal, six hundred seventy nine dollars. Um, and these are just the ones I'm calling out because. These are the ones that popped out to me when I saw them in, in videos or saw them in pictures. Um, they're still doing the the hollow bodies from Epiphone, which I think are a strong point of that brand. Uh, the Les Paul Special TV Yellow. I mean, they're checking all the boxes. They're getting the guitars that people yep. have looked for over the years and have gone for, and they're they're putting them out now in the Epiphone line. Here's where it gets dicey. So if I buy a $679... Um, Epiphone Les Paul Custom Alpine White, which I think to me is is a pretty attractive price for that guitar. What am I in competition with? It is. I'm Epiphone. What am I in competition with? And 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 that's that's the question you have to ask yourself. So here's where it becomes an issue. I bitched and bitched about the headstock. They did make a change in the headstock. I think the headstocks look slightly better. I don't think they look great. Um, I think they could have made them even better than they are. Um, and I think they could have probably used Gibson shape with an Epiphone logo, and that would have been fine. Um, and actually I probably would be like, okay, take my money. But at this point, um, I'm looking at the Les Paul custom in Alpine white and I I don't care whether it's Alpine white or Ebony. They don't make them in Ebony. I don't think. Um, but, uh, here's, here's where I see this being a problem. They're in competition with China. Okay. They're not in competition with brands like LTD, ESP, Or any of the like the known brands here in the states that kind of make similar like Les Paul custom style guitars. The EC one thousand is the one I think of. Um, obviously, you can get that in a kind of custom esque look, um, and and a modern one too at that. Right. Um, so yeah. I see this guitar, and I say this is for the person that really wants a Gibson. Then I look at the price point and go six hundred seventy nine dollars. I mean, they're not out of the realm. If they bought two of them, they could get potentially one USA one if they can find a good deal on it used. Um, and it's it becomes a tougher sell for me because I see this as being in competition. The headstock doesn't match. It's not really a Gibson. They, they've said that over and over. They, they drill it into your brain. So why wouldn't I go to China and get myself a, a Shengze? And I, I'm using Shengze. They're defunct now. But get a Shengze that looks just like this because that's what this is about. This is about aesthetics. This is not so much about feel and all of that yes these guitars sound great i think the pickups are are an obvious improvement over what epiphone was using before based on the videos i've seen again i haven't had my hands on one yet can't tell you for sure um but i feel like they're not missing the mark 
but they don't understand what the mark is yet, who they're really in competition with yet, which which seems nuts to me because they did that thing with Mark Agnesi and it should have been real obvious that they were going after the counterfeiters. And yet here they are charging $680 for a guitar that you can go to a counterfeiter and get for 500 bucks with whatever logo you want on it and whatever headstock shape you want. Yep. I'm going to, so I'm going to di- agree with you a hundred percent, but I'm going to disagree in that. I don't think it's possible. So here's, here's what I, we haven't had our hands on. And, this and is why I could say this. We haven't had our hands on these guitars yet. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. We haven't had our hands on them. I, at the minute they come in the store, I'll tell you guys, I'm going to get, I'm going to sit down on my day off. I'm going to go into that store. I'm going to play every single one of them that we get. Here's the thing I want to say straight up. Okay. Because I think it's important. Uh, we don't know what the build quality is going to be. Okay. But I will say this. I don't own a chips. Okay. I've never had a chips. You, you do. Okay, and you vote. You own one. You've owned it. Um, it has obvious shortcomings. I mean, the 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 Shengze we've discovered has very soft fret material, for example. Yeah. Um, yep. It has shortcomings. They all have shortcomings. Right. Uh, the Epiphone yeah. shortcoming is that it's not a Gibson. <laughs> yep, uh, it, it, that's right. That's right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna poo poo that. Here's here's what I think is gonna. Here's what I think has finally happened. But it's a move in the direction. Like I think Gibson's going to finally do the thing where they're going to say, "Okay, Gibson overseas." In other words, they're going to they're going to remove the Epiphone. From I don't Ep- think they're going to remove the Epiphone. I think they're just going to get the headstock shape. Um, well, and I'll and I'll say it like this: the reason that I think they're going to do it is because Fender does it for everything but the Squire. I think they're going to keep a line for a low end. That's my guess because it's the next logical move if this doesn't work. Oh, I think it's going to work. I'm, I, I think this is going to sell a lot of guitars. It's also going to leave a lot of guitars hanging on the shelves. I don't think you're going to be able to give away the ones that are hanging I, there right now. I well, would buy one. But I, when I they're buy one. And every customer that's come in to say, oh, I like this Epiphone Les Paul. You know what I've been telling them the last couple of weeks? Which really hurts my commission. Wait. I've been saying, don't do it. Wait a month. If you can wait a month, wait a month. Come in here and take a look at the new Epiphone one. Before you make right. this decision, because there's some there's some exciting things happening. I think that um, I think it's important. I think that the things that they did bring are what they did bring. And you're right. They, they're not competing with it. But how can you compete? Because no matter what you do, China's going to do it. They're cheap. competing with Harley Benton is what they're competing with. They are China. Well, Where do you think they're being made now? They're being made in China. Well, the phone is being made in China. I don't. I know, but they're not. It's markup. And, it's brand name markup, Jim. That's what it is. Right. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. You can't possibly, when you're a small company and you have this many executives, you can't possibly, when you're p- trying to pay this many, you don't have any shareholders. You don't have anything like that. Harley Benton. I've just, I was just going to say, that's really what they're in competition with now. But I've spoken with folks who, spoken with, emailed with folks or messaged with folks who have done the Harley Benton route and they are not that good. They're not that they're, they're not that consistent I Honestly, yet. the ones I've seen, because I've had my hands on two of them um, and they were both Gibson likes. Um, I would say and this is what's going to shock people. I've played now I've played Epiphones that are good too, 
but I played a lot of Epiphones yeah. that were as the same level or worse than the, than the two Harley Bentons I had my hands on. And I was not a fan of those Harley Bentons. I'm going to make it very clear. Um, granted, I think Harley Benton is one of those quality, everybody's going to be a little bit different kind of things. Um, now, fit and finish on these guitars, I think these are going to outdo Harley Benton and fit and finish. And I only because the quality control oh, yeah. is going to be better. But only because yeah. they're probably more stringent than Toman is, right? Toman it rejects a third right. of the guitars that they sell under the Harley Benton name. I've heard that that there a third of them go out as B stock. Um, so if that's the case, I look at these instruments and I go, they just have to get the fit and finish right. No, no glue in the wrong places. But we all know that the tuners won't be as good. The pickups will be seventy five or eighty five percent there. That you know, and that's and that's kind of what you expect from this price point. I'm not I'm not saying that I expect a professional level instrument for four hundred fifty bucks. Or six hundred and seventy nine dollars. But here's another here's another thing to keep in mind. I would have no qualms whatsoever about buying an SE, a PRS SE, and taking it on stage. I don't know if I could say the same thing about some of the Epiphone line. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's, like I, I, and that's why I think it's important to get these in our hands, because to be honest with you, that's going to be the decision making factor for me. Is if I pick one of these up. Um, I will pick one up based on the fact that it feels right, plays right. I I still think that the current the current Epiphones for me have a sticky back of the neck. They they're they're not really the that, poly they use on them is not. I, I don't like high end poly. It's uh, that and that's the thing. You're no. used to playing nitro Gibsons, and I don't think you're yeah. ever going to be able to play a poly Gibson and feel like that's that's the right deal. Which comes to my next point. Nitro is coming to the S2 line for yep. PRS. So PRS is starting with the new McCarty models. Now, here's what's it's I exciting. They, are they going to do them all in Nitro because, or is it only going to be special runs? Because I actually don't oh, want the, a PRS the, in Nitro. That's not what they're known for. According to... Uh, the, it's not a full Nitro like we're... like. It's some nitro poly thing. It's 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 a mix. But anyway, what it is, they're starting with the McCarty's, and all of the S2 line is going to have nitro on it. Now, the reason that I think this is exciting for me is I, obviously I'm a nitro guy, right? You just you just said that, I and I am. I love the, the the two my three favorite guitars right now are my SG, my my um, Les Paul, and my um, my Ultra Strat. Um, all three of those is, are, are great, and that's why it sucked for the last three days. Because I have had Is the ultra nitro? Studio. I think so, but I do know this. I know that the back of the the back of the neck is a is, a, is incredible. Yeah. yeah, that's that satin that they did. Which which for me, that's the one thing that's always kept me um, not loving a uh, any strats is when they put that poly on the back. Gotta hate that. But now PRS is swapped the thing and they put a maple fret no, board they're polyurethane they by the way they're the, finishing the, uh, yeah they are poly yeah so um prs is coming out with the uh, um the maple necked uh uh what do you call it line the john Mayer line and they're putting the the silver skies where they're going to have a maple fretboard but they're a satin neck ah that's the one thing i didn't like about the freaking 
<laughs> that guitar was the non-satin neck. It's got feel sticky to me. But anyway, okay, so uh moving along. So the the um uh the thing that PRS is doing is is bringing nitro to their S2s, which is a process that costs money. Um, um I don't can they even spray nitro there? Yeah. They do nitro on the on the core line. The nitro that they use is a different nitro. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, 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 I trust you. I'm just saying, because yeah. I know that part yeah. of the reason that most companies don't spray nitro anymore is because of EPA regulations. Yeah. And they're right there. Let's pick. They're right there on Chesapeake Bay. Uh, they're at, if you have ever heard of or been to Annapolis, they're right, right near Annapolis. Um, so the uh, uh, matter of fact, one of our listeners and uh Fans, their friends, Jay Wells is there in his new job right now, doing it, doing the job. Uh, he's right now living out of his Jeep. I was like, hey, I got a friend's house. You can <laughs> call him up and find out if you can stay there. But anyway, um, so uh, the, what was I saying? Oh, the, so the nitro, it's honestly, that's one of the things that makes the wear of the guitar and the feel of the guitar to me it's really cool it looks good it feels good uh, i'm kind of excited because it's it's the s2 line is coming up adding the adding the um the uh mccarty's to the s2 line is really uh really cool they're not as deep carved they, they said um so the of course you know they're creating a narrative we all create narratives right but the narrative is for these is that the McCarty S2s are the same exact guitar as the McCarty for the the core line with the exception of two things. Number one, the the violin carve is not as deep. And probably more importantly, and number two is that the pickups are the uh, S line of the same pickups. But the guy that plays them, that does all the demos for him, said he, he has a hard time. And you heard the demos that I did when I had the two. It is hard to tell the difference. Yeah, they're You'd very, be hard they're very pressed close. To find um, I think you could probably feel yeah. the difference more than you could tell the difference sonically. Right, right. Yeah. That's really what it's going to come to. It's, Look, it's feel. But if you never had the American line, you're not going to miss the American line when you're playing the um, S series of those pickups. I'm just I'm reflecting on on some things here. Um, as far as I guess you know the S two line's fine, like and that's that's fine. I just don't. I mean, I know PRS is, people are going nuts about the McCarty's. I'm not a huge fan of the McCarty, so uh, right. I just yep. kind of look at it and I'm like, okay, great, they're doing McCarty's now. They're doing new McCarty's. Yep. Um, PRS like doesn't really put out stuff that excites me too much. Um, custom twenty fours, yeah. custom twenty twos, kind of my thing. Um, as in terms of, I, I like the CE line. Obviously, we've talked about that on the show dozens of times. Um, I want to see some. I want to see the some mirror? different woods, you know, in in, in the production yeah. models. Like, I don't want mahogany and flame maple, and like I want maple on maple. Uh, that would be a great option for some of the stuff. Maybe rosewood necks, um, or and stuff that's like a little bit more exotic than what you would get out of your traditional S two, which is something that um, yeah. I feel like they they want to reserve that for the core line. They feel like they feel like they have enough of a market and enough people that just will just buy the core and pay the artist package price to get these weird things. 
but I don't mind the weird things existing at a at a you know one thousand to fifteen hundred dollar price point. Um, I would pay a little bit more for the special editions, and if they did them once, you know, one off every other year or something, I don't care about the signature models. I, I honestly, if there's one thing in this industry that we can do away with right now, is signature models that have come out past 1970. I don't care about a single one of them. I don't. I even the even the artists I like. I I don't. I mean, that's the only one that I would even consider buying because it's kind of transcended the signature thing is the gem. I it's just it's I feel like I pigeonhole myself if I buy a signature guitar because I buy a guitar that's set up to this particular artist spec and in reality I'm a different person and I have my own set of preferences. And I'm used to doing things my own way. Um, and that's not to say I haven't owned signature guitars. In fact, I own one right now. Um, but I just get away from that. PRS is so stuck on it right now. Every guitar is a signature model. They got the, the Dusty Warrington signature now. And they got uh, the, all the Mark Tremonti stuff. And, Don't even know and, it. Um, yeah, the Tremonti. Even the, yeah. I mean, we can go. We, the DTG is is uh, David yeah, Grissom. Yeah, David Grissom, Grissom. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, he was he was Mellencamp's guitar player, but he played yeah, yeah, for yeah. several people. He's, he's best known. The Dusty Warring, uh, Mark Holcomb. Um, Never heard of it. Never John Mayer, of, of course. You know, and then yeah. which the John Mayer kind of makes sense. I mean, I know there's enough fans of him that to to do it. Uh, doesn't Jason yep. Aldean have a signature from them now? Um, Santana, I think Santana has a model with him. I think it's called Santana. Again, he's another artist that like kind of transcends. <laughs> but again, I, I wouldn't buy his guitar. I, I know, and that that sounds awful, right? Um, I would buy a, I wouldn't buy a Santana. Like I would rather nope. just make a make a what they call a double cut, and just call it a double cut. Yeah, and and stop calling it a Santana model, and you'll sell. I eventually, well, I, I guess, you'll sell more of them doing that. I think the reason that Paul called it the Santana in the beginning, let's face it, look at where it was. He was truly the only real big adopter of PRS at the time. And without Santana, that company didn't, wouldn't exist. That's number one. But number two, and probably more importantly, is um, Santana was playing SGs, and that guitar at the time was pretty damn close to an SG. And so it was a way to go, look, it's I not thought an he was SG. Playing, Yamaha's when uh oh yeah that's right by that point he was playing Yamaha's in the beginning he was an mm -hmm. SG guy right well he played yeah Les Paul's and SG so in the SC line there is let me count them one and here's what's funny two, as three, far as the SC four, lines, the five, only ones six seven eight nine yep. nine uh signature models signature models and 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 you know how many signature you know, artists are the only two I can me. name? There's like three signature artists in the in the SE line. Yeah. The only the only SE or the only signature guys from PRS I can name are Mayor, um, Santana, and Tremonti. And I'm not crazy about the Tremontis. You know what? You know why I don't like the Tremontis? I love the body shape. I love the fact that they put it there. I don't like Tremonti's pickups. No. I can't stand them. All right, so then. If we if we look at the S two line, how many how many signature models are there? None, I don't think. No, there's no. Right now, there is currently no signature S twos. If we go in, 
yeah, core series, the, how many are there? Yeah, because the Bacardis are not signatures. They're they're no, made I, after yeah. a guy who didn't he even was work a, for he was a Gibson. I, I'm yeah, saying that for Gibson other people. Yeah. Um, Does, do you know why they're called? Uh, yeah, I take this back. They're not doing the signatures like they were. I think they've. I think they've. They've yeah. realized it, that because yeah. they were. They were. They were churning out. Everybody got a signature guitar. You get a signature guitar. Oh, you yeah. get a signature guitar. Any of their artists. And now it's like <laughs> it's. They backed off on that. Yeah, David Grissom model is still out there. The Mayor model is still out there. The Shimani model is still out there. The Santana model is still out there. That's it. And honestly, the, they've scaled back a lot. You, you don't hear a lot of people playing the Santana models as much. It's just, I mean, they're out there, but same. other than Santana. Yeah. But he's still an ambassador, so to speak. For no, he's in retirement, basically. I mean, and, and I get that. Um, they have several signature artists on acoustic now, too. Which is interesting. Yep. Um, for a while, they had Alex. He's, Lyson, he's still listed as an acoustic guy. artist, signature artist. Yeah. Oh, he is. Um, I don't know. I just PRS is not really just. They're just not exciting to me anymore. Um, yeah. And I think it's just I, a lot of this stuff's not exciting to me. Anymore. I don't really. We do a podcast where we spend probably seventy to eighty percent of the time talking about gear, and I don't care about gear anymore. Yeah. So I want to get wait wait because I'm getting that's my last point. Yeah. Right here. So one of the things, so John Bott got a hold of me today. We were, we were texting back and forth and I had seen a couple of videos about this. You know how I get, I'm that, I am that person, right? I'm the person they target because oh, new thing, yep. Look, right, shiny, shiny object, cool. right? That's Jim. Um, but I, but I recognize that myself and I really do have to spend, I'm not going to do a year of no gear because that's ridiculous. I'm going to go to <laughs> Sweetwater and I'm going to. I'm going to get something, but I'm going to do this. I'm not going to buy a guitar for you. That's my promise to myself. There's no guitar that's going to come out. Well, <laughs> here we go. Maybe, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe one of the Epiphone Les no. Pauls, and that's only if I'm in a band where I am I need a Les Paul on stage. Right now, I'm thinking my SG and my Ultra are going to be my stage. Guitars. But here's what I think. So here's, here's what I'm going Although I do want to try out all those uh, Epiphones, I don't necessarily need to bring one home. Those are puppies that could go to somebody else's house. The the um, the thing I want to do this year, it, and I only want to buy one more pedal, and that's going to be one little delay pedal, and that's going on my my board. That's for well, no, I I made it. I showed I'm it to you. Just travel board. I'm just I bought a metro because yeah. Yeah, because Jim's like, oh, I'm not going to buy any gear. I'm like, kind of, but except for this and this and this and this. Just wait until you yeah. until, until you get all that stuff first, and then say I'm kind of done for a while. No, no, no. So I want to spend a year waiting because the, the year I want to spend waiting, obviously we've got a lot of things we're going to do. We're going to go to, we're going to go to Sweetwater. We want to meet up in Nashville. We want to do a, uh, you know, possibly do Dam next year. So there's a lot of things that I want to save up, do a, a Satriani thing, because if I do that Satriani thing, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do the one where you get a guitar and signs it. So anyway, um, here's, here, here's my thing. I wish David Gilmore would do Wish David Gilmore would have one of those. I would pay ten thousand dollars to put David Gilmore. <laughs> I'd go broke. I'd put a mortgage on my home. To go to yeah, Jim Gilmore. would. I really He's would. not lying. I really would. Because, because I mean, there's only going to be one more chance to go see David Gilmore. Like, let, let's face it, that, that would be. 
No, really. And I saw him many times with Pink Floyd. I've never seen David Gilmore solo. But anyway, let's let, let's get out. The marketing, and, and you and I are, um, and John's conversation today with me are proof of that. So John and I were talking, and John was like, "I don't need anything else." But damn it, they're making me want it. Right? That's not the word he used. I probably used "damn it." Um, but the point is, all right, folks, this is where we get rated um, R. Hide the children, hide your kids, hide your wife. Or, Skip paths or something. Right. I'm just gonna say they want they want you. I'm not, I, I may say a word. I'm not actually maybe gonna say it, but just in case. They want you to have every effing thing that you can possibly get. And and right now what they're doing is they're doing this the same way a lot of companies when they when they create shoes for kids, right? The new Nikes, um, when they're creating all this other stuff, the the new phones, the new um, we're they're marketing gear the way that they're marketing the new Samsung phone or the iPhone that I just yeah. got, right just like now uh, the new the new Mac the new MacBook computer the new uh, you got to have this new car look at all these features you got to have this and. It's funny because it goes back to an old song by by um, uh, the Rolling Stones. You know that person can't be as cool as me because they don't um, don't wear the same shirt I wear. They don't smoke the same cigarettes I smoke. Okay, that's those are lyrics of another song. I don't remember. He's not encouraging you to smoke too. cigarettes. If you do, fine. No, but he's not definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't smoke. I don't. I don't put anybody down down that does. I do it. I've never done it. So. But the point is that they are creating an atmosphere and and and, and um, Anderton's kind of bought into it. They were talking about colors because they were the talking about that color that the PRS put Vanity. out. Sort of. it, it, it is no longer about the guitar and the functionality and the and what it can do for you. <coughs> it is Pedals. about oh, oh, what did I do? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> PRS, Paul Reed Smith himself said, I can put this guitar into a tuner, into the amp. He goes, and that's how I play when I play on stage. And that guy yeah. does play on stage. And so, you know, uh, I'm sure his his cover band gets paid more than mine. But anyway, point is that uh, uh, when you when you do this, it you know, we got to. I, and I'm guilty of it. Okay, got to think. Do I really, really need this? Today I went to look at delay pedals, right? Because I wanted to buy a delay. So I went to look at delay pedals, and I went, "I'm not ready to buy." I, I said to myself, "I'm not ready to buy for two reasons. One, I am not actively in band. That probably won't happen." This is the first point. time. And number that you've two, had this realization, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. And number two, and probably more importantly, I said to myself, you know what you're going to do? You're going to buy one you don't like because you're not really ready. You think you are, but then you end up, to, that's how you buy crap. You that's don't right. Like. Marketing wants you to believe you are ready, but you're not. Because I wasn't sure. And, and this was the two. I wasn't sure. Do I want the carbon copy deluxe or do I want the ethereal yep. for my little pedal board? And I'm like, you want a Strymon? Oh yeah, I gotta have a Strymon. 
And it's got to be, is it the big Well, if we're talking about marketing, maybe that's what we should talk about. Because that's what this is about, is how they, the companies, they addict you to their stuff. And the way that they do it is with slick marketing. And we buy into this marketing. And all of a sudden, we have this moment where we go, I have to have this to solve a problem I don't really even have. And I've been guilty of it many times. Um, my tone is not good enough. I need to have this because it's going to make my tone complete. It's in my head. Like an ethos drive. Uh, we're going to get to that. That's where I'm going to be a hypocrite at the end of the show. And that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. So I've been telling myself recently, all right, you have everything except the right tech. Cause I have a Squire telecast. Everything but the right. Tele Bullshit. That's right. Bullshit. That is absolutely right. That's the part where we should have had you um, uh, hiding your kids' ears. It's BS because the fact of the matter is you don't need that freaking Telecaster. Yeah. You've got you've got a Stratocaster. It's the Ultra. You have that Tele sound good enough for what you're doing. You have the SG, which is enough of a Les Paul for what you're doing. You don't need anything Folks, else. I want to point out that Jim is being incredibly practical. He is living the spirit of the show right now, and I'm so excited for him. And and podcasters and, and we're part of that marketing machine. Are, are a part of that marketing machine, and more importantly, except for Five Watt World with Keith Williams. By the way, yes. listen to Five Watt World. If you listen Keith to us and you hear um, us poo poo every piece of gear that we talk about on the show, like we did tonight. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm poo pooing my own gear. Um, I. And uh, here's my thing, you know, my Marshall's good enough for everything that I'm doing. I don't need another amp. I don't need a different amp. I don't need anything else. And yet, what do I have? I have a katana. I've had five. Of them. Yeah, six. I don't know. And and so when you, you can't have sold count, gear because you have of the marketing a problem. Type. <laughs> I have, and then bought gear. You, you realize I rebought you, well, it, or, or, or you realize that that the marketing hype wasn't just hype, and that you made a mistake. And I've done that. Which leads me right. to the ethos. Right. That's right. But let me get, before you get to the ethos, because I think that's important. I think that's extremely important. I think that's where we should, we should bring this part of the conversation to an end. I sat down today and much like Keith Waves, because what I was telling you about the YouTubers, every time you see a YouTuber, what have they got behind them? There's a, sh there are shelves of pedals. Yeah, that pedal shell are, we're talking about you specifically. And there, and there are, Stacks of guitars. You look at you look at. I don't care, and, and I'm not putting anybody down. So so Ryan from Sixty Cycle Hub and and uh, uh, Blake from uh, what's Blake show? Uh, no, the, not Jason Go. That's one of Jason them. Jason Wampler. No, yeah, he's on one of them, right? And the Wampler. I'm not putting anybody down. Yeah, Wampler has mob, to yeah. do that. The tone mod. Thank you. I'm not putting any of that down. I'm I'm definitely not. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying because people see that. It is a marketing machine. It says, look at me. I have 40 guitars and I'm not even that good. So you should have 40 guitars because you're not even that good. I mean, because the first person that will tell you he's not that good is right is, is Ryan. I'm not no. saying he's not good. No, That's he got to play, he got to play some uh, surf rock on uh, Steve Vice guitar the other night. That's all I'm saying. You got to play flow yeah, three. A, uh, <clears throat> right. He's a he's a great guy. We we love Ryan, obviously. What I'm saying, though, is when you see that and you see these people, uh, 
Philip McKnight. Um, uh, who's the guy? Any, uh, any of them. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. It, it's just a, a, a wall of pedals and a, a, a wall of, of guitars. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't have a wall of guitars. I don't have a wall of pedals. I'm not a good guitar player. No. Find that Find that one. David Grissom. Now we talked about the PRS uh, signature guy. Do you know why the David Grissom model exists? Because David Grissom wanted one guitar to do it all. One ring to rule them all. That's what he wanted. And, and so he went with Paul and he went, this is what I need that guitar to do. I don't want to carry a Tele and a Strat and a Les Paul and an SG and a blah, 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 blah. Make a guitar that can I, do it all for me. I think, that's what Paul I think everything Jim's just said is extremely valid. I would, I would hype what Jim is saying strongly. I think you're absolutely on to the, the truth of this industry, which is that we get impaired into these decisions that we need all these different things. It's fine to want them regardless of what level of player you are. Um, as long as it's right. within your means, like that's okay. Um, but do it yeah. for the right reasons. Do it because you really love it and because you really want it. Don't do it because the subconscious little voice that's in the back of your head that you're not really like, even listening to is going, wow, that's really cool. You should get one. You should get one. Stop and think about what you're going to do with it. Um, I know a lot of people who've bought multiple guitars and don't play a note. Again, there's nothing wrong with a collector, but if you're not, and, and they weren't within their means, and if you're not within yours, don't do it. Um, it's dangerous. Exactly. This is a dangerous so hobby. <laughs> I can't stress that yeah. enough. It's an expensive hobby. It's an expensive hobby. And and I hear people talk about gas and they joke about it and everything else. I do the same thing. And I was caught up in the hype. And remember last year we talked about doing the year of no gear. And honestly, that's why I can't lie to myself. I need a I need, not want, I need a delay pedal. That's it, folks. Need a delay pedal. It's the only thing I need. So I went six months, I think. I mean, I mean, yeah, you did. Um, and it was it was both a traumatic and non-traumatic experience. And it made me a smarter person because even now I don't find myself like pining for stuff. I mean, I do, but it's like, eh, I can wait. And and I'm and I'm fine telling myself that I don't need it right now. Like when I when a need arises, then I'll get it. Um and fortunately my financial situation is turning around pretty quickly and that's going to be a, a better reality for me is like, okay, so I need this cabinet for this gig. I'll just go buy one um, rather than being like, I need a cabinet, you know, for a gig that I ha I don't have yet. And I just want it so bad that I'm going to, I'm going to tell myself I need it and then go get it. Um, that's yep. the trick is not telling yourself a story. Right. Um, so that brings me, I'm going to switch gears. That brings me to the ethos. So last week um, I reported that, that the ethos was coming back to me. Um, it was a pedal that I had a little bit of an emotional attachment to, as well as a strong um, desire to play that sound again. And uh, it came back to me. Um, I demoed it on the yep. YouTube, not the YouTube channel, the Facebook group. Um, briefly, the, the tones weren't great on the group. Um, I The night before, I played my open mic set for that night, which the open mic was canceled on this gym, which was the tube amp modeler. Uh, TM 300 from, from Behringer plugged directly <laughs> into my interface and then streaming directly to Facebook. And it sounded atrocious. Um, and, and it, it sounds, so the video made it sound worse than it is, but it sounds bad. 
and I got my ethos and I plugged it in and my eyes lit up and everything was fine again. And actually, uh, I mounted it to my board. I went to a jam that night with it. And I have to say, I played the whole night with that pedal on the drive channel um, with, you know, various other pedals on my board plugged into it. Um, I enjoyed the freedom of having everything at my fingertips and reaching down and turning knobs when things weren't quite going the way I wanted them to and not having to scroll through menus in between songs and do all this other happy stuff that, you know, people, people talk about why, why they don't like modelers. Um, I still, my Kemper's not going anywhere. Like it does the ethos sound better subjectively. Uh, I would say they are, they're on par with one another. Um, the only drawback to the ethos is it generates more noise. There's no built-in noise gate on an ethos overdrive. Um, and you still need a direct box. There are, I mean, there's, there's a couple of little like gotchas there, right? Um, it's a very expensive piece of equipment. It's $750 new with all the mods, which I have. Um, I didn't pay that for this, but I will say that, uh, between when I bought it and when I bought it now, I spent north of a thousand dollars. Um, of course I sold it and made some of that money back. So, um, we, the joke is, of course, this is a, you know, over a thousand dollar overdrive now at this point. Um, but that's what, what, why I, uh, I want to preface this. Like I didn't buy this because of the hype machine. I did originally, I did originally, I, I kind of said, you know, I want to treat myself. I want to get something really expensive that nobody else has. And, uh, I could, I, of course I like the Dumble sounds. Like I listened to, to, you know, Robin Ford and people like that. Um, but I didn't know what I was getting when I bought it. I couldn't try one out. That was a total pig in a poke. And there, it was $675 when I bought mine. So stop and think about that. That was a terrible decision. I, w I hadn't played a gig in years when I bought mine, but I kept telling myself, oh, if I buy this, if I get the right piece of gear, I'm going to play out. I'm going to play out. You know what? You know why I actually started playing out and I'm going to give credit to where credit is due. I started playing out because the guys from gear fest last year pushed me to do it. They're like, you're going to buy all this stuff and then you're just going to sit in your bedroom with it. And they're like, I want to hear that you're playing out with it. And Nick, after a month, we'd been back. He sent me a message. He said, How's that Kemper sound live? And I and I had to balk. And I had to tell him I hadn't used it. And that's what did it. That was the kick in the ass I needed. Um, and now I'm playing all the time. One, at least once a week. Um, and I, I, I mean, out. I'm obviously playing at home. I play at home constantly. Um, but having the ethos now is going to make my life so much better and so much more convenient. I don't have to – when I'm coming in at midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning – from an open micro jam. I don't have to roll a giant cart out of my car into the house, up a flight of stairs, down a flight of stairs, into my condo, try to keep it quiet so I don't wake my neighbors and piss everyone off and wake up everybody in my house. Um, and it sounds as good as the Kemper. Um, and it accomplishes a goal of mine. And that's basically to make me able to play out more. I, I don't feel like that's money poorly spent. Now, could I have bought other things that could have enabled me to do those? things probably but would i have been satisfied that's a good question um and so i think there are times where it's okay to spend a little bit more money and kind of take a step back from from your situation and say you know i can splurge a little bit but i also think 
you need to be pushing yourself in the right direction. Don't do what I was doing and, you know, hide from it. So that's the, that's my two cents. The, uh, the review, the ethos is it's great. If you're thinking about buying one, save your money. If you really want one and get one, I think you'll be happy, but, but yep. understand what you're getting, you know, and that, I can't stress that enough. It's because it's a pedal that you could easily buy and, Realize that you have no use for. I think. <clears throat> I think the. Yeah, I think. Look at my hair. I don't um, think our audience think, can see your hair. Joe. I think the. Um, the yeah, the audience can't. It's probably crap. for the it's best. Good thing because it's all over the place. But it looks like I, I look like a mad scientist. He looks like uh, Thomas Blue. Um. Yeah, I do. Um. So. Uh, I want to. I want to piggyback or um. Uh, kind of. I don't know, bookend what you were saying. Because I think it's important. You know, the two pieces of gear I went, well, okay, three pieces of gear I went back to, okay, are, are four, sorry, four pieces of gear I went back to. Wow, that's weird. Are the ones that I, I started with and went back to. My Les Paul, my SG, okay, my Marshall DSL, like katana how this many is, how many we talked about this on the show gear. before you owned like seven or eight over a thousand dollar instruments in in a, in the two yep. years we've been doing this show possibly more than that yep and you're yep. back to basically using the same stuff you started with same exact gear i started out with um my my strat all i did was trade one uh, change one strap for another i I went to thinking, and of course, bought into the height, thought I needed an HSS. I did not need an HSS. Not only did I not need an HSS, folks, I'm going to tell you this. I didn't like it. So <laughs> I, now whether it's because I had the wrong HSS, it doesn't matter. I didn't like it. I didn't find the utility in it. I, th I, I think a Strat should be a Strat. I think a Les Paul should be a Les Paul. I think a, Les, a SG should be an SG. I don't think that, that, you know, but that's me. That's me. The Marshall DSL puts out all the tone I need. I, honestly, I bought the Angry Driver from David, by the way, recently. Yeah, right? so was a month ago, a month and a half ago. So, how about the, the um, Angry Driver from David? You know, the only reason I put it, I got it was to put it on a pedal board for me mm -hmm. to take to open mics. Okay? So, I've got my my Angry Driver. That, that pedal board right now is made up of, the only thing I bought for it was a miniature version of the of the... Well, it, I guess it's not the slash that I have, which is really the, it's just the a, cry yeah. baby with a different cue. You said GCB ninety. So I got a big, so you got or whatever. Yeah, I got a dinky little cry baby on there. I bought a I bought a miniature cry baby so that everything fits on the little board. The idea was to put everything on the little board. So a TU two, a Boss TU two, uh, uh, the uh, cry baby, the uh, angry driver. And now all I'm getting is probably an ethereal. I'm thinking an ethereal for the board. That's well, it. Done. Um, and and if I don't get the ethereal, it might be the carbon copy. Regular. You know, I copy. can't. I think today. So I want to do a brief little commentary. We're both putting together open mic stuff, right? Like or like jam stuff or whatever. Right. I think guitarists of yesteryear when they go to these things, would go completely bare bones. 
Um, and they would play through whatever amp was available and do these things. And I think we're a little bit more cognizant that, you know, that's harder to do. It's easier to, you know, to vibe with what you like and what you have. And so we put together these little things. Um, but I think the tendency is for a lot of people to be like, oh, well, I'm going to do the rig that I play live is the same way I take the open mic. I don't see how you're doing that. If you're playing as much as I am, yeah. I don't see how you're doing that. Because it, cause it's hard. Yeah, even yeah, even musicians who were um, relatively famous, uh, they um, they would have cartage, and so in the days yeah, they just call somebody up and say, "Hey, I got a Dom D uh, three, and everything's there." Yeah, and everything is there and set up and tuned. They had a tech, did all that stuff, um, and because of that, um, they could have four of the same rigs. Because they had cartage. You don't have cartage. I don't have cartage. Even Pete Thorne was talking about it. He didn't, he's never had cartage. And <laughs> that guy is obviously uh, yeah. had a few gigs. I heard he had I heard he had one or two gigs. Yeah, some big some ones. Yeah. People we've probably never heard of, right? Yeah. Yeah, some something, small club dates, big, that kind of thing. You know. Yeah. But um on a serious note, you know, that that's the um uh the stuff that you know we look at. So anyway. Here's my point um, that I wanted to get to as far as, as bookending. So the one thing I almost bought into, I didn't, was when they brought out the Stratocaster version of the Acoustasonic, I was like, wow. That's the one thing. That's the only thing that Fender brought out. And I went, wow, that's really cool. And then I said, you know what? If I didn't already have a decent acoustic, I would want that. But right now, and, and for anything I would do, I don't see it. Now, if I ever did a gig where I needed acoustic to travel, do a lot of traveling with, I'd probably get it. But right now, my humming I think it's a really expensive toy myself. I think yeah. I think the, the, the Telecaster yeah. version, the Acoustasonic, is also a very expensive toy. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, they definitely have applications. Like, I, I listened to Danish Pete talk about, you know, if I was playing a gig where I was mostly playing electric guitar and then we had like two songs where I needed to play an acoustic that that would work. And and I agree. Yep. Um, but I don't think it's ideal. And I mean you can get similar sounds with a piezo and a, and an IR thing, a box, you know. Um the Kemper is now going to have uh an IR simulator built into it um when that finally launches. And I have a feeling that that little sneak yep. attack is also going to include the drives that they've been quietly working on for a long time and have not made any announcements about because they yep. don't want they're tempering expectations. Um, I have a feeling all that stuff's going to come to fruition all at once. And we're in a, we're in an exciting time. If Nam should teach you nothing else, we're to the point where we can have things like that that neural DSP announced. Um, that the uh, Amp 1X, the, you know, all of the other crazy products that come out of the NAM show and can be like, this is boring. We're, that's how inundated yep. with like exciting technology and, and music stuff we are right now. Um, if you can, if you can take yourself back and this is the thought I want to leave our listeners with if, Jim, if you got final thoughts, you can of course share, but um, this is my final thought for the show. And that is, Take yourself back to like in the early 70s when the um, Big Muff first came out. 
And that was like a big right. deal because it was like the first distortion pedal. Oh, it was huge. You know what I mean? Even though it's not really the first distortion. Yep. We all know like fuzzes that go back way, way before that into the late 50s. Um, yeah. It's the first distortion pedal. And people were using it like a distortion pedal. And it was like most people were playing cleanup until that point because they didn't know how to make their amps sound like that mm -hmm. unless they turned them up really loud. Um, right. It, that would have been an exciting thing. The Rockman, which uh, John Pot shared that wonderful article in our group about, um, you know, the Rockman yep. first launch. Yeah. I own and, one. And, I've got it in a box. But that's, but that's, <laughs> look, that was innovative technology. We are surrounded by that crap. That's commonplace now. And we're, we're now we're completely numb to it. Yeah, what's funny is the Rockman did a lot of what a lot of these pedals do. This is what's funny about the Rockman, because I like I said, I own one. Um, it does a lot of what a lot of pedals do. I mean, it's it's literally a multi-pedal in a box. If anybody doesn't know what a Rockman was, it was where um, it was the portable version. Of it was the first the headphone amp, that, and it predated all the other Rockman right. products. Yep, and it and it was the tone, the tone, the Marshall tone that Tom Schultz got in a studio for a lot of his layered guitars. That's what makes people freak out. I mean, we talked about that on the show, and it's the size of the pedal. It's it's, it's like literally you can stick box. it in your pocket. Yeah, it's double double the width of a cell phone, and it's yeah, it's about the size of of a um, if you if you had uh, long cigarettes, it'd be that size. That's that'd be it. It is not big. It is really small. It is really simple inside. Um, Schultz made millions on that game. I would venture, and that uh, that's how he kept afloat when the uh, when Boston was between <laughs> records. Yeah, because he would put no, years he didn't put years between records. He stopped making records for like 20 years and then they did Boston three. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of people being like, it took him 20 years to do Boston three or whatever. No, it didn't. They didn't work on it. They didn't do anything to it. Huh. Yeah, oh, he was he's a doing other stuff. He's a scientist that it could also play guitar. I mean, the guy was at Went MIT Polaroid grad. When Polaroid was, was a development house. Yeah, he was a Tom. He was Thomas Blug. Um, <laughs> And uh, he played almost all, well, he played all the string stuff. He played the bass and he played all the guitars. And there were layers of guitar. There were layers of bass. He used three or four bass layers. That's why bass players are also always frustrated when they're trying to cover uh, Boston. Because there's well, he so was also using ADT as well. He had his own ADT system. Yep. So he built his own studio. He built, he built his own four-track recorder. He was one of the first guys right. that that was a lunatic. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, well, the other ones were he was good inspired enough. by Les Paul. Let's be honest. Yes, he was. He was one of the first guys to, to invent something that was like what an ox is today. I mean, he invented a way to put his martial head <laughs> into a, a direct in without having to. So he to, could record know, at oh, night. I can't load these tubes. How do I do? Yeah. How can I load these tubes? Because he was working in Bobby. That first album, he was kind of like. Mm -hmm. Living at home type thing. You know, he was a young guy. But, uh, yeah, uh, I want to get back to what you said. And that is that, that um, don't, let's not buy into the hype. Let's create a group of people that are not buying into the hype this year. 
Let's do it. Let's create a year. Not, not a year, year of, of no, no gear, but a year of sensible gear, a year of no hype. Let's just get it because don't tell us you got it because it was pretty. Don't tell us because uh, unless that was the reason you got it. Tell us you got it because you got it because of what you wanted. Was it pretty? Was it because your wife liked the color? Because your kid, it's named after your kid. It's the same year as your dog was born. I mean, those are the cool, the fine things to buy something. Not because uh, YouTube. Not because everybody else wants So and so told you to buy it. Right. Which means that no one is going to want us as as spokespersons. Have we ever really tried to, to solicit anything, a sponsorship, we don't want to buy Jim? No. No. <laughs> so. And uh, the the point I'm making is that let's let's be that group. Let's be those people this year. Let's be those people. Let's make it so that we can go to a dam. We can go to a <clears throat> uh, the Sweetwater event and still walk away with the same money we walk in our, in our pocket. What maybe my my old thing is like I'm buying stuff I need. I'm not buying stuff I want. And right. I think if we all do that, we'll save a lot of money. I think. I think the other yep. part is you'll gain a lot of self-respect. Um, I yeah. am so stupid because I sold that that uh, ethos, and it was it was peer pressure. That's why yeah. I sold it. I was. You are so lucky you got that back for the same money you spent. You, you got. I am for it. I am much. You're, I I know how lucky I am, and yeah, that's you, the best you are story so I got lucky. right now. Yeah, because they're. There's guitars and stuff I've sold. I could never get back. That bass guitar that I wanted or that I loved, I'll never get that back. That I can't say never. It will take me like I would have to hire somebody like Trogley to sit there and watch the stuff go. But I don't have that kind of time. Oh, there's that bass Jim wanted. Buy it. You know, it have that kind of time. And right now I don't have the need. So I, I, I wouldn't hire him in. Well, with that, I have been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been the practical guitarists. Yes, we have.